0: So, the message today, whenever I speak at other churches, I don't know your congregation. I don't know where you are coming from, what your background is. Typically, congregations are made up of of different uh, ages and different backgrounds, different lengths of time in Christ, different levels of maturity, and so it's a supernatural work through his word that God puts a message on someone's heart, and it's a great responsibility And privilege to deliver it to you for whoever it's for. And it's not always for everybody. But what God has been putting on my heart recently is um, I guess you might describe it as my observations over the last several decades of looking at our country and looking at our church and asking the question what should be driving the country? Shouldn't the church be influencing? Salt and light, right? Salt and light. We all know what that is. But what does that look like? Why doesn't it seem like America and our culture and country is being preserved, the preserving salt, the flavoring salt, and why doesn't it seem like the light of Christ with all, what, 300,000 churches Does our country look like a Christian nation? No. My question is why. I've always been a culture observer. So whatever you can get from this message, it's about redeeming the time. It's time to be passionate. It's time to have that word burn in our hearts again. So Ephesians 5, 15 15 through 17 says, So then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people but as wise, making the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. Well, that's interesting. There's a lot of churches in America that don't want to talk about evil days. They don't want to talk about what's happening outside of the church walls, the immorality, the perverse agendas infiltrating and infesting the government-run schools in this country, the media, Hollywood, corporations. We don't want to talk about that. I'm not saying this church, I haven't heard Pastor Jeremy preach, but in a lot of churches I've been to, and I watch sermons online too, just to check out what other people are doing around the country, what different denominations are doing, I scratch my head, I'm going, how did we fall away from the gospel that was handed down from the apostles? What happened to America? I believe we were founded... on a a great foundation of the truth of the Word of God and the biblical worldview. What I'm not saying is not every founder or past president was a Christian. But what did they found our nation on? The biblical worldview, Judeo-Christian principles and values, the, (laughs) the Ten Commandments, our Constitution, our liberties here, the freedoms we have, religious expression. Why are we one of the few countries in the world they can say that, yeah, we have that, we just take it for granted. So, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here's the application. So not only does it say, make, make the most of your time because the days are, are evil, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the Greek word for time here denotes a fixed, measured, allocated season. It's not like I'm going to set my watch, I'm going to set my alarm, I'm going to take a nap for an hour, or seven hours or eight hours overnight. It's not that kind of time. This is a season. Believers are to make the most of their time on this earth and live expectantly of his return. In the timeline of eternity, here's God's creation, and here's the end of it all. We are somewhere in here. I'm saying we're somewhere over here. (laughs) 2021, right, this year, on the timeline of eternity. Um, So today we're going to be looking at seasons, signs of the end times, and the coming judgment of God. Jesus often commanded his followers to watch. Be alert, understand the times, because this was important to him to convey to his disciples it should also be important to us. Remember, he rebuked some of the most religious leaders of his day, the most, quote, educated and religious leaders. Jesus rebuked them partly because of their inability to discern the times. The long-expected and predicted Messiah was right in front of them, right in their midst, and they failed to recognize him. Matthew 16, 2 and 3, he said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but you are unable to discern the signs of the times? We could look up on our iPhones or on our computers the weather. We, we know what the weather is probably going to be like or close to it a week or two from now. Fascinating. But we, as the body of Christ, do we fail to recognize the spiritual signs, sometimes manifesting in the natural, all around us? What about us? There's converging events on the world stage that we'll talk about in a minute. The cultural indicators that point to the day of the Lord. I, one of my concerns is that, again, I don't know everybody, I don't know this church, but one of my concerns is the body of Christ in general. We're just too wrapped up in, into the details of ordinary life. We're busy. We're too busy to read our Bibles more than 15 minutes a day, if we even read it every day. The living word of the God that we serve who speaks to our hearts every time we open this word. It is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth when he was praying to the Father in John 17. So we'll detail a few prophetic signs in a minute, but scriptures indicate, well, look at 2 Timothy 2, for example. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3. Just the first four verses, here's an indicator that things are headed south, right? Um... You can almost, as we go through these, you can almost go, yeah, check, check. Okay, maybe that we're not there yet. This one, check, check, check. But realize this, and you won't hear this in a lot of churches, friends. In the last days, difficult times will come. Didn't Jesus say, in this world you will have trouble, tribulation? But he didn't stop there, he said. But, take heart, I have overcome the world. The only way we're going to be able to overcome the darkness and the insanity and the moral relativism on steroids and everything else that's happening around us is if we are in Christ. He overcame the world, and guess what? We have his Holy Spirit in us. Praise God. So in the last days, difficult times for people will be, ready? Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good. Let me pause there for a minute. Isaiah 520, there's a warning. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. What do you see outside these walls, Monday through Saturday, in our culture, on television, on our iPhones, coming out of our government? They're calling evil good, aren't they? And they're suppressing the truth. They're calling good evil. Get that biblical worldview out of here. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Examine your heart, please. This is for American Christians. Do we love pleasure rather than the things of God? Do we love entertainment? Do we love our retirement thoughts of vacation and spending money on earthly pleasures and building bigger barns, bigger buildings, and traveling and iPhone selfies and doing whatever? Here's what I'm eating at this restaurant. Not that there's anything wrong or sinful about that in and of itself. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What does that look like, to be lovers of God? I I hope and pray in your personal life that everybody who knows you knows you're a Christian. Holding a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, and look what it says, avoid such people as these. Believers in America especially must guard against being lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So the question is, do we love this world more than we love Jesus? I know that's a hard question. Hard question, but necessary, I believe. So speaking of difficult times, what about the year we went through last year? Oh my goodness, 2020. (laughs) Did you ever think... um, confusion, misinformation, media malpractice, fear-mongering, global socialism advancing, the Great Reset, delusions, including moral relativism and transgenderism, government corruption, tyranny, threats and attacks ramping up against Israel, who is already, by the way, surrounded by a coalition of nations, most of them Muslim nations, seeking to wipe Israel off the face of the map. It's happening, do we hear that in our American media? No. Why? It's a That's the biblical worldview. Israel is not important to them, to our culture. It's important to us. Um, so, paying attention yet? And I just mentioned a handful of things. Um, we are living in very prophetic times, friends, and maybe I take this as a wake-up call. I'm not angry. I hope you understand. I'm very, I'm very passionate about this. We are the body of Christ, and the world should be... We, we should influence the world rather than the world influencing us. Um, Let's talk about apostasy just for a minute. Apostasy, uh, there's the Latin word apostasia. It just simply means a departure from the faith. There has been predicted a falling away, right? We know it's predicted in the Bible. There will be a falling away. And um, if you think of, uh, it means a defection a departure, a falling away. I'm sure some of you have heard some of the George Barner research, some of the studies, LifeWay research, and Pew, and Gallup, and all the polls. Don't trust all the polls. But some of them are pretty accurate. And the, the one that was shocking, I think, to me last year, and I'm pretty informed, at least I consider myself to be so, with the biblical worldview, looking at our culture and trying to connect the dots, Something like there's only, a, only 6% of Americans have a biblical Christian worldview now. 6%. In a recent article, prophecy watcher Terry James said, Jesus knew that neglecting to watch would be a major symptom of apostasy at the end of the church age. He knew that people will be more and more caught up in the affairs of an increasingly sinful world the nearer history moves toward the tribulation era. And that's, that theme is going to come up in this message over and over again, increasingly caught up in the things of this world. What does caught up mean? I'm not talking about the rapture, caught up. I'm talking about distracted. I'm talking about busy, busyness. Um, so what about worldly philosophies, since less and less people have a biblical worldview, a Christian worldview? How do we get there? What, what, what's duping people? What's, how are people being deceived? How are Christians falling away? My question is, I don't have time to get into it this morning, but were they converted in the first place, truly converted? There are many, 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 many many false converts sitting in churches and pews across this country who could not explain why they believe what they believe when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, a true follower, and could not defend the truth of God's word. They say, lip service, Monday through Saturday, a lot of people in their sphere of influence would have no idea they're a Christian. Well, Didn't Jesus say you will know them by their fruit? That's for another time. What about worldly philosophies? Progressive Christianity, which is an oxymoron to me. Um, The LGBT agenda and radical sex indoctrination in our schools. Self-help, self-this, self-that. The prosperity gospel and your best life now theologies. That's I'll tell you, friends... (laughs) That's one thing that's ripping the body of Christ apart because too many have fallen for that deception. Sorry to say, you read the scriptures, Jesus said you'll be hated. Every day will not be a Friday. Jesus will, you, he said you will be hated. If people know you're a Christian, you will be hated. Um, abortion, normalized. Could, could you ever imagine... I think I was talking to Jed or a couple people before the service about how we got to where we are today, where in 1973, the powers that be, the Supremes, declared ripping a baby apart in a mother's womb to be a right and to be legal. Well, what man declares, well, man cannot declare moral what God has declared immoral. How did we, I mean, I know many of you weren't alive at that time. I'm seeing a few younger faces there, out there. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know where the church was. I, I don't remember. I was very young in 73. <laughs> but, so I don't remember that decision. But I know that in the history books, we would have at least seen more churches out there trying to protest something as immoral as abortion. And here we are today. Where's the pushback? Where's the resistance to evil? Yes. How many millions? Now, now if, if, if you consider what is growing, by the way, dead things don't grow. If you consider what is growing in a pregnant mother's womb, I didn't say she's a woman, I said she's a mother, if you're pregnant you're a mother you have you know in the bible it calls a pregnant woman uh, to be with child do we hear that anymore with child think about christmas time when mary went to greet elizabeth the baby in her womb in elizabeth leaped for joy so john the baptist is going yeah yeah there's the one i'm going to pave the way for In the womb. Life. Well, I know that was in 73. They didn't have modern technology. They didn't have sonograms and ultrasound and all the medical information we have today in 73. And one of the questions in Roe v. Wade, in the actual transcript, one of the justices says, well, do we really know when life begins? What's our excuse now? What happened? We've just accepted it, haven't we? Acceptance and tolerance of evil leads to acceptance. That leads to accommodation, and then that leads to approval. And that that wasn't even in my notes, so the sermon's going to be a little bit longer now. (laughs) Worldly philosophy, sin and lawlessness on our streets justified. Did you ever think last summer that in America we would have governors or mayors saying, police, stand down. Let them loot, riot, burn. And how? That's going to happen. I understand that in some societies. That's going to happen. But we have a system of law, don't we? We have a constitution and laws. And, huh, wow, that was interesting. I've never seen that before. We've had evil and violence and injustice and all those things in our country from the beginning um, but i've never seen what happened last year happen how did the, that happen where the minds would be like oh okay that's just 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 turn away let them do what they're going to do antifa really they're about as godless i mean what, what they're doing in seattle and portland and it's still going on we just don't hear about it in the news antifa anti-fascism anti-fascists really (laughs) look up the history of antifa but my point is what was happening last year most of us bible-believing christians and or law-abiding citizens were looking at some of these news reports on the news outlets that were actually reporting on it and saying wait a minute what what i don't understand I don't understand. You don't r- redeem an injustice by breaking the law and causing more violence. And I don't remember the stats, but that whole summer and through the rest of last year, approximately four dozen people were killed, starting in whenever Memorial Day into June and July and August, and on the streets. Some of them business owners. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian. People, that were, their livelihoods were destroyed. And it seemed like part of the country was just going, well, yeah, let them get it out of their system. Who? Anarchists, communists, Antifa, let them get it out of their system? Yeah, so there was this, my point is from a spiritual standpoint, this is like a delusion. This is like, okay, now people aren't, uh, aren't thinking critically. Have we lost the ability to reason? But as the church, how did we respond? Oh, man, there was so much confusion in the church for the few that actually talked about it. There weren't a lot of people that wanted to address what was happening because I think I fear that a lot of people didn't know how to respond. So... These were the things that were going on. What about um, social justice apostasy in our own churches? Works. A works mentality. A works righteousness. But they It's even more perverse than that, but we don't have time to get into social justice. Anytime you put a word in front of justice, chances are those who are pushing it do not want true justice. Whenever you put... Otherwise, let's just, how about, what about, I'm pro life, let's just call it womb justice. Huh. How, how, I want more truth to be proclaimed in our culture. I want biblical justice. I want gospel justice. There's just justice because God is just. In Colossians uh, chapter 2, Paul writes about Jesus being the head. He is our final authority. Didn't he say before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? Verse 8, Colossians chapter 2. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of the world rather than in accordance with Christ. Colossians 2, 8, a very important verse. Why? Because we are seeing worldly philosophies, secular ideas, and perverse ideologies in our culture. That's not surprising. What is surprising is the inability, the seemingly, um, the, the lack of discernment and the inability to respond as a church that believes this word, God's word, the Bible, to these worldly philosophies. Um, I was talking with Jed earlier. I think you're the one that mentioned the public schools, if I remember right. What happens when, and it didn't start in the 1960s, by the way, in order for them to remove prayer, Bible reading, the Ten Commandments, you know, in order for them to to be okay with removing that, the ground had to be prepared for that historic moment, Supreme Court decision or not. The ground was prepared in the 40s and 50s, the, the direction of the culture and country. So that decision just did, didn't come out of nowhere. In other words, it didn't start in 1962. But nonetheless, you take out God, truth, the biblical Christian worldview, you take that out of, out of the public schools, that leaves a pretty big void, doesn't it? You've got to replace it with something, and they did. And they did. So the problem is when the church is confused about these things not knowing how to respond or what to say about something immoral that's happening, well, there are consequences when Christians take the path of least resistance. There are consequences, and we're living with many of them now, the consequences of decades and decades of silence. You may be a very passionate, outspoken believer outside of the church, and God bless you for that. But if you're not, It's up to you. I believe we should speak the truth in love. And I shouldn't go down that road. Um, Okay, I'll say it. If you love your neighbor, if you love somebody, you will tell them the truth. If we only care about our own lives and the things that we can do pleasure rather than loving God. We don't love our neighbor because they're going to hell if they don't know our Lord Jesus Christ. If they are not saved, they're going to hell if they do not hear the gospel. Now, you can be a good example. You can be a good person. An atheist can be a good person. Someone who knows you will die going to hell thinking, well, they were just a good person. If I don't share with them what I believe and why, It's not up to me whether they receive it or not. It's up to me to share. We are ministers of reconciliation, aren't we? Yes, ambassadors for Christ. I think I read that somewhere, 2 Corinthians 5. If they don't know you're a Christian, they might die. And if you believe in the whole Bible, there is a hell. It is a literal place, and there is a judgment coming. And they will go there not knowing the gospel, not knowing the God that loves them enough that he sent his son to die on the cross, a brutal execution. And torture to pay for their sins, so that they could repent, confess them, receive Jesus, and be saved. But if they don't know that, and how, and what else this teaches, and how to how to live after you're saved, do you see what I'm getting at? I don't read anything in Scripture about being a secret agent for God, about being a silent Christian. Silent witness, I don't read anything about that. We are to be good examples, obviously. Someone needed to hear that. I don't know who did. So let's go to Revelation 2 and 3, give an idea of what Jesus would say to our churches in America today because he spoke to some churches in Revelation 2 and 3 through John. So he told one church they were lukewarm And I'm just saying, I've been to hundreds of churches in the country. I was traveling in the 80s and 90s. I've been to a lot of churches. And then my wife and I, she had a a music ministry about 10, 15 years ago. We traveled around, did worship at a lot of churches. And I'll tell you what, um, the sermons I remember, I could count on one hand. The impactful, biblical, effective sermons, the rest was uh, fluff, topical, Here's how to feel good about your life today, and it was really eye-opening to me because I thought, man, there has to be more to Christianity, and I think there is because I look at the underground churches in China, or Iran, or Africa, where their churches are burned, their their, their villages are burned, just because they believe in God and they are Christian. We don't have, we have no clue what that's like about he- in America. But anyway, they were lukewarm. Another church he he rebuked for leaving their first love. Hello? American Christian? And one had a reputation for being alive, but they were dead. Jesus said that. They were dead. What does that look like? Well, I think about, for example, I I really enjoyed the worship this morning. I, I, um, I know some churches, the bigger you get and the more people you attract, the more you have to Maybe entertain them to keep them there. And I think that's a trap that a lot of churches in America have fallen into. I call it rock concert worship, where you've got to put on the light show and the videos and you got to do the camera angles and close in on the band and the focus is on the musicians and then the screaming guitar solo with the dry ice hat You know, I mean, I've seen it in churches. I went to concerts when I was young. I know what that looks like. But should that be in our churches for worship? Where does the attention go then? Wow, That lead singer oh, that lead guitar player, so, so sure, sure is good. Wow, American Christianity, friends. So in um, Revelation three, here's what he said to the church at Sardis. "Be watchful and well, there are those words again. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die." for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. He's speaking to Christians. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I come upon you that's pretty heavy that he's talking to believers in Christ there isn't it isn't that pretty heavy but it's true this is our word this is our living word that we go by and learn from and hopefully apply to our lives if it's possible though I I see a little glimmer of hope here if it's possible to strengthen what remains that means it must not yet be hopeless so did Jesus has he returned yet no even with the state of the American church today, with the apathy, the lukewarm, a lot of people left their first love, with the apostasy, there is still a remnant, and I believe personally, and I believe the remnant is getting stronger. That doesn't mean numbers, that doesn't mean popularity. But there are believers I have locked arms with and I will continue to look for who I can say, all right, we are ready to fight this battle, not in our own strength or in the flesh, but with the we- our weapons of warpa- warfare are not carnal. But they're powerful. for pulling down strongholds. We can fight if we do this together. We don't need the numbers. Jesus flipped the world right side up with 12, 11. So he told them to remember what they received and heard at first, Paul wrote to the, the Corinthians in that phenomenal, magnificent chapter 15, the gospel chapter, the resurrected body chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. And he said, he passed on to them what he received directly from the Lord. Then he laid out the gospel. And I don't know where you're all at here, but I just want to read the first four verses. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel, the gospel, Which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, by which you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. What were the Scriptures at that time? It was the Old Testament. Prophecy. Jesus fulfilled prophecy as the Messiah. And that he was buried. Fact. that They witnessed him going into the tomb. He was buried. It was sealed. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Then Paul writes four verses detailing appearances of the risen Christ. Four verses after that. But look at verse 2. Very interesting. What does he mean by unless you believed in vain, Paul seemed to recognize some of them had a shallow, non-saving faith. They were not truly converted, perhaps. Fascinating. Maybe they believed the gospel was true, but they didn't love Christ and righteousness and live for that gospel all week long. Doesn't that sound familiar? Many of them believed True believers hold fast to the gospel and bear fruit. False converts, they may pledge allegiance to Jesus or say they're a Christian. You know, unfortunately, friends, we are so dumbed down and sometimes ignorant of what the Bible teaches. There are some, look at the surveys, look at Barna and others. There are some who believe they're a Christian because they were born in America. Or because their family went to church once a week when they were growing up. You know that's not a Christian. But there are some who believe that. Um, Did you know that we can believe in God and Jesus and still not trust him and live for him? Wherever you're at, that's my challenge to you. We all know somebody. We all know people like that. Professing. Believers, I I interview one one pastor, uh, Steve Smotherman. He calls them so-called Christians. It's true. It's sad, but true. But listen, James tells us that even the demons believe. They shudder, they believe. They don't put their faith and trust in Jesus, but they believe because they know it's true. They know Jesus is God, but He is not their Lord. So it's one thing to believe. It's another thing to trust Christ with your life and and then live for him. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of mere men, but what it really is, the word of God, which also is at work in you who believe watch out strengthen what remains before it's too late wake up paul told the christians at rome in chapter 13 he said verse 11 and 12 do this knowing the time that didn't mean let's just say uh, paul delivered that or wrote that message at noon he didn't mean to say knowing it's noon it's lunchtime no no he's talking again about seasons Knowing the time, it's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore, let's rid ourselves of the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So, the Greek word for time views this as a period or era. But interesting sleep, awaken from sleep. What's he talking about? Spiritual apathy. This was the early church of all people, churches, many of whom were, many of these believers were still alive. They had seen Jesus, the resurrected Christ. Many of them were still alive when these letters were written, particularly Corinthians, one of the earliest letters. Many of them, in fact, he says, Paul says, he appeared to over 500 brothers at the same time. Many of them have fallen asleep, but most are still alive. They had seen the risen Christ and yet Paul had to write these kinds of letters and Jesus had to say the kinds of things he did to those churches in in Asia Minor, the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. So here he says, awaken from sleep. The earliest believers, if they didn't see the risen Jesus, they knew someone who did, a relative or a family member at that time. And yet, what is he talking about? Spiritual apathy and lethargy? Disinterest in the things of God? Wow! He had to tell them. Human nature. It's hard, guys. I understand that. It's hard. When I'm preaching to you and pointing out at you, I've got three fingers pointing right back at me about the use of my time and what I do for, for Christ. So, but apathy, spiritual apathy, disinterest in the things of God, that's the American church, generally. I'm not saying, I'm saying there's a lot of good churches out there, but otherwise these letters would never have had to be written, and we wouldn't need these reminders today. But apathy often leads to apostasy. There's that word again, falling away, falling away. Check your heart right now. Either you believe this because it is true and God's word, or you just think it's a history book. Either this is the living word of the holy, just, eternal God of the universe who created all things and us, mankind, or it's just a book with some interesting stories, particularly the Old Testament. (laughs) So we don't know how much time we have left. Since we cannot possibly know, because God knows the number of our days, what is preventing you from being sold out for Christ? What is preventing me? Are we speaking the truth? Are we exalting Christ? while exposing the deeds of darkness, Ephesians five eleven. Ooh, are we supposed to think about that verse Is actually something to apply? How do we do that? We've been told, judge ye not. We've been told, don't say anything. No, 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 no. Don't, don't point out any, any unrighteousness or sin or wickedness. That's intolerant. Well, when tolerance becomes the highest virtue in the land, even over truth, and I will say the truth of God, you're in trouble and your society is in trouble. James Robison said, we must reject the thought that evangelism is to be separated from the importance of standing against evil. He goes on. We weren't saved just to escape this world and go to heaven. Transformed people transformed the culture while standing boldly against evil. Is America being transformed for Christ and for righteousness? Come on, you can say it. No, no. So me or us being cultural observers from that biblical Christian worldview, everything we look through in those lands is through the gospel and through the Bible and that worldview. That's how we see the world through this truth, through the truth of scriptures. The question, why not? Um, turn to Mark chapter 13. You'll remember when Jesus uh, predicted the coming destruction of the temple, and you know this was a massive building at that time. It was the most magnificent spectacle. They could see it for miles because one side of it had gold plates on it, massive gold plates, and when the sun came up, it would reflect off that temple and it would shine. You could see it from miles around. It was massive. Kind of like um, the two towers, the World Trade Center in New York City. Kind of like that. Massive. And Jesus predicted the coming destruction and that prompted questions from the disciples about the end times. They said, Mark 13, verse 3, tell us, They they said, what? When and what? They said, when will these things come about and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say to them in 2022, no, no, in 1863, no, 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 in 1492, no, 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 what was the first thing he said? See to it that no one misleads you. Don't be deceived another key and we're hearing a lot and there's there's been some date setters I believe even in one of the cults uh, one of these other world religions they had one of their prophets set a few dates of when the return never happened but they still go on and on why they keep changing the doctrines in that particular church so cults can get away with that can't they but there have been date setters even in the Christian church (sighs) you'd think we'd learn um So, another prophetic warning, jump down to verse 13. This is prophetic, I mean, it's a, it was true at that time, it still is true. Jesus said, and you will be hated by everyone because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. You don't hear that on some of these religious channels on TV, do you? That true believers in Christ, disciples, followers of Jesus and his word, will be hated because of his name? You don't hear that very much, do you? We'll, we'll, tell, we'll, we'll share about why in just a minute. <clears throat> and then, verse 19, notice he describes the great tribulation in the future. By the way, Matthew, uh, Matthew 24 is a parallel to Mark 13. Um, great, meaning capital G, meaning a long duration of tribulation, meaning characterized by severe pressure and continual anguish. This is coming, guys. This is coming, and we're living like it's not true. We're living like it's not going to happen. I know we want our best lives now. (laughs) I know that. But is that biblical? Verse 19, for those days will be such a time of tribulation as has not occurred since the beginning of creation, which God created until now, and never will again. There will never be a greater tribulation than that which is coming. Either this is going to happen, or Jesus is a liar. I know you all believe that he's not a liar, so this is going to happen. The disciples wanted to know when. A lot of us would like to know when, too. But since we don't know, how then shall we live? This is the capital G, Great Tribulation at the end of the age. Out toward the end of the discourse, Jesus warns believers to be watchful yet again. Go down to verse 31, Mark 13. Heaven and earth will pass away. Stop. What? What about saving the earth? I mean, recycling is good, but what about saving the entire planet? What about the existential threat of climate change? Isn't that the, big, the greatest threat? I know the Biden administration talks about that. Isn't that the greatest threat to America and mankind and humanity? The existential threat of climate change. I'm not endorsing being irresponsible with litter and trash and with Resources, polluting the air. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but don't buy the hype. Don't be deceived. Come on. Heaven and earth will pass away. Read Revelation, by the way, about the new heavens and the new earth. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Stop. What Jesus just said there is He is the final authority. My word, Isaiah 40, there's a verse, I think verse 5, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. How long? Forever. We're blessed to have a copy of this. We're blessed. Men bled and died to translate this and get this into our hands today. We're blessed to have the living word of the holy God of the universe. So, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. Understand, Jesus was on the earth at that time when he said this. Nor the Son, but the Father alone. Verse 33, watch out! Stay alert! For you do not know when the appointed time is. Wait a minute! Judgment? Judgment? Destruction appointed? There will be signs. Some of the signs, briefly, in Matthew 24, Mark 13, false prophets, wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, earthquakes, famines, and then it says, I, I believe, in at least one gospel, these are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Let's see, hmm, just here, let's look at these signs, friends. False prophets, check. Wars, check. Rumors of wars, check. Nation against nation, check. Earthquakes, check. Famines, check. The beginning of birth pangs. Persecution, increased lawlessness, many people's love growing cold. God help us keep our heart soft toward you and soft toward Humanity, mankind, that needs to be saved. Help us, Lord. Don't allow our love to grow cold. Please, Jesus. The gospel preached to all nations. Christians will be hated. There will be tribulation. And verse 24 describes post-trib events prior to his return. So the chapter concludes with Jesus repeating his warning. Verse 37, what I say to you, I say to all, Stay alert. New King James Version. Watch. Judgment is coming. Christ is returning. But this time, not as the meek and lowly Lamb of God. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the conquering King of kings and Lord of lords, coming back to wage war and to judge the nations on a white horse with a... Sharp, two edged sword coming out of his mouth. He is coming back in a very different way than most churches care to discuss. Churches! Read Revelation 19, starting verse 11, if you want a visual of that, what I just briefly touched on. So, speaking of 19, there are 19 uses of day of the Lord in the Old Testament, four in the New Testament, also referred to as the day of doom. Day of vengeance. New Testament calls it a day of visitation, a day of wrath. These are terrifying judgments of God that are coming. I'm not, I I probably, hopefully I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. I'm just trying to go, wake up! (laughs) Here, get back out there, friends. I know the world is dark and godless and perverse and immoral, but shine your light. Whoops. (laughs) Hello? Shine your light in Jesus' name. Give your enemies a cup of cold water. Share the gospel. Let the Holy Spirit do its work. It's not up to you to force conversion on anybody. We, We couldn't do that if we wanted to. That's a work of God. We are the messengers. So let's look what Paul wrote to the Thessalonian believers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, please. And I know this is most likely a longer message than you're used to hearing, but if you'll bear with me for a little longer, I, I, I just believe this is an important message for you guys to hear and apply and maybe to share some of these thoughts with lukewarm friends. We all know Christians outside of here, and if we were to be fruit observers or inspectors <laughs> ooh we're going to have to make judgments if we do that doggone it you will know them by their fruit you might want to share now Paul writes as to the periods and times those, there's those words again periods and times brothers and sisters you have no need of anything to be written to you they already knew how did they know if this letter was the first letter to that church in Thessalonica how did they know they passed the word around the oral tradition was was huge and they memorized like most of us have no idea how to memorize that's that was their culture they didn't have books and printing and the internet and recordings they memorized massive portions of scripture in the old testament they knew prophecy they knew what most people knew what it said about the messiah the jews so they knew what it said about some things that were prophesied so it says you have no need of anything written for you yourselves know full well they knew this the day of the lord is coming just like a thief in the night while they who's they others Well, they are saying, peace and safety. Then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, you are not in darkness so that the day would overtake you as a thief. For you are all sons of light And sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let's not sleep. There's that word again. Let's not be spiritually apathetic or lethargic or disinterested in the things of God outside of church walls Monday through Saturday. Let's not sleep as others do, but let's be alert and sober. Notice again the warning that the day will come as a thief in the night. That day will come. That shouldn't put fear into us as believers, right? A judgment day. Yes, everybody, all of our works will be evaluated and judged. Yes, but we will not be eternally condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's, this is not an eternal judgment. But what we do will be judged. I just think in my mind, I just thought about missed opportunities in my life. Holy Spirit, make us more sensitive to your word and your, and your voice during the week when we're out among a dying world, in Jesus' name. What we do will be judged. But that, that thief in the night concept shouldn't put any fear into us, but those we are to warn Um, It's important to note this phrase, thief in the night, is never used in reference to the rapture of the church. Caught up, rapturo, catching away of the saints. That's never used, thief in the night. We're ready anytime. Hopefully you are. If you're not, do business with God today. (laughs) If you are not ready for Jesus to return. So the seven-year tribulation and the catching up of the saints, the rapture, are two distinct separate events. Verse 3, don't you notice a lot of talk? Of people want peace. People want safety. Peace in the world. Let there be peace. Sorry. My upbringing just came back to me. That was an old song. I don't know if it was a hymn. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about peace. Peace. But the only peace, true peace, anyone can have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he himself is our peace, the Bible says. Jesus didn't say in this world you will have peace. He said in this, he says, I am your peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. But you hear a lot of talk about peace and what about safety? Safety, 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 security, safety, safety. Uh, you know, I I had a very different understanding of that word until the year 2020 and the Rona came on the scene. The Rona virus. Safety. It's not the government's job to keep us safe. It's God will keep us safe, and it's my job to use wisdom and caution and, and make decisions that are smart and hopefully <laughs> wise. Healthy, intelligent, common sense. But it's not the government's job to keep us safe. But they connected somehow in this lack, this age of the lack of critical thinking, they connected government, safety. Whoa. They typically don't go together, do they? But yeah, peace and safety. Um, So that's God's job. Surrender to his sovereignty. Live well. Exercise. Stay in the word first and foremost. Eat healthy. Trust your God-given immune system and trust the living God who is sovereign over all things and every detail of your life. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but trust the living God who created you, who knows your frame. And praise God when it's my time to go, I'm out of here. A virus or no virus, Five year, th- four years ago, I had a heart procedure. No meds. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not taking, a, and, and no medication, not because I rebel against medication, but because I, I took it for uh, 90 days and it started working fine. So, but I trust God. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Yeah. And yours too. Um, Okay, now it's going to be a little longer again because I just strayed. Just a little bit, though. Oh, peace and safety. (laughs) Peace and safety. Um, Now, the talk about peace and safety is sure to increase. As Bible deniers, truth rejectors, will continue to ignore the signs of the times, the warnings. Whether that be what's happening around the world or our own warnings, And even some Christians will be ignorant of prophecy and signs of the times. Remember, false prophets and motivational pastors, and I don't even want to call them teachers, false prophets often forecast a bright, fluffy, positive, encouraging outcome and vision and direction but I don't see the world or our culture going in that direction according to Pew, Gallup, Lifeway, Barna go on down the list and according to our own eyes and our common sense but yet false prophets will say "Ah, oh, God wants to bless you and give you favor give you everything you want he's just a big genie let me rub it I'm rubbing the genie okay Give me the desires of my heart. Let me me put that in context Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delighting yourself in the Lord is an assumption that you're already sold out for the living God and living for Him, and you, and now as a born again believer, we have prayed in our striving to have our allow our hearts to conform to him and his desires in other words when we say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we mean it someone that surrendered to the the living god in jesus christ and he has lordship in our lives i know people like that not a lot but i know people like that and i can sincerely pray for those few people God, give them the desires of their heart that they may be more effective for you and the truth, that they might enlarge their territory, Lord God. Give them greater influence because I know they are sold out. I know they want what he wants. But the American understanding of that verse over the last 25, 50 years is, give me the desire of my heart. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So, Matthew 24, you don't need to turn that, I'm going to go through this real quick. Matthew 24, 37 through 39. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. What about those days? Well, for in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. What does that mean? Well, take this as a warning for us today. Um, it's interesting. I, I always had a slightly different understanding of that verse. I always thought the days of Noah, immorality, immorality, Look at our, it's worse today in our world. (laughs) Right? It's much worse. We, man has created more ways to do evil thanks to technology. It can be a blessing, but also a curse. Thanks to modern day technology and the internet and other things, we have created more ways to be evil and to sell evil and promote evil. But Jesus emphasized here Not so much the extreme wickedness of Noah's day, but listen to this, the people's preoccupation with the routine, mundane matters of everyday life. The days of Noah. They were eating and drinking, and one day at a time, just living like there were no signs, there was no warning of judgment. They were just carrying on with their lives. Think of America. Think of the churches in America. Do we need a wake-up call? (sighs) That's one of the things God has tasked me with. (laughs) And I don't like this role necessarily, but this is what he's put on my heart. And the remnant is strengthened by messages like this the rest may just go to lunch carry on with their day and their week and forget about it that guy was a little extreme at church wasn't he Um, preoccupation with the routine of life Uh, that word routine is interesting a routine and you all probably know this it can easily turn into a rut And judgment fell suddenly. I want to read something to you that I got in an email from Jan Markell. Olive Tree Views. It's a great ministry about the end times and the prophetic. Uh, She has a radio program called Understanding the Times. How many of you know who Jan Markell is? Okay. Then this is going to be an eye-opener for most of you. Um... Nope, oh, that's the wrong one. Here it is. She wrote something recently and sent out an email newsletter called, What Did You Expect the End Times to Look Like? Our times are perilous, she says, because God is trying to wake up and warn a sinful world. People don't listen when life is smooth sailing. The Bible is fulfilling itself. It predicts perilous times, 2 Timothy 3, a Laodicean lukewarm end-time church, a Romans 1 society at the end, characterized by depravity. Evil and violence will escalate. The birth pangs will become intense and will be hard to watch and read about. Floods, fires, droughts, hurricanes. But the Bible says these things must happen. God is warning because he always warns before he judges, and the world is facing judgment. It is being judged now, but far worse is coming during the tribulation. This is just a warm-up. There are terrible consequences when, things, when we don't do things God's way. Society will fail. The church will head into apostasy. But prideful mankind always thinks their way is best. God is specifically sending a message to his church. He's trying to shake us up so that we will wake up and ultimately look up. America and the world are now caught up in in end-time strong delusion that has serious consequences Delusion does not permit people to think rationally and to act reasonably. It does not allow people to vote sensibly. The consequences are staggering. God is allowing some pre tribulation birth pains on the entire world, but what we see happening today is minor compared to what is coming. The church will be absent during that tribulation time. So, in the meantime, Uh, May we have a greater burden to save people from the wrath to come. The consequences for a world that rejects Jesus Christ are unthinkable. America and other Western powers have to fade so global government, global socialism can rise up and rule the world. Keep this in mind. Keep in mind that this this is orchestrated by God for his end time purposes lastly i think there's chaos on earth because satan knows his time is short he has ramped up his activity he is getting new recruits for his kingdom isn't that interesting we have a kingdom but satan too is recruiting this is all the more reason we must be salt and light in these final days with god marginalized and mocked society cannot work properly it will collapse under the weight of everything in the world that is fractured Only Christ's return at the rapture and then his second coming at the end of the tribulation to establish a near-perfect kingdom will fix it. The closing days of the church age are a challenge for all mankind. For, For the godless, these days cannot make sense. But for those of us who know the Bible, it has the roadmap ahead all spelled out for us. It's Jan Markell. Her website is olivetreeviews.org. Oh, I already did that. Um, so I just want to skim over this, just because I've already gone over, just to give you an idea of five different kinds of wrath. I know it's not a popular word to talk about in church. Now we know the most graphic expression of wrath was what God poured out on his son on the cross, right? Number one, eternal wrath, which is hell. That's a final destination for some. That's eternal wrath. There's eschatological wrath, the final day of the Lord, day capital D, cataclysmic wrath, such as the global flood that happened in the world. Uh, during Noah's time and then the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah that was cataclysmic wrath then number four and five are interesting consequential wrath doesn't the Bible tell us you reap what you sow the world has twisted that and made that into a word called karma which I don't believe in I believe we reap what we sow and there is a difference the principle of sowing and reaping but number five the wrath of abandonment, that's when God removes his restraint and allows people to go to their sins and live in them. And just imagine what it's going to be like after the rapture. When the rapture takes up all the saints, all the light, Christians, the Holy Spirit is gone. All restraint is removed. God's already, I believe God's already lifted his hands to some degree. It can be debated, right? Speculation. He's already lifted his hands of protection and provision on America, on the world. But when the, when the rapture comes and all believers are caught up, the Holy Spirit's gone. That's going to be a very dark, godless, unimaginable time that people will be living through. So, <clears throat> turn over to... Um, when he allows people to pursue evil and to to sin and then suffer the consequences, that's what we are seeing today. He doesn't stop evil. He put the church here. And the Holy Spirit, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Spirit of Christ in us. So he doesn't step in and stop everything. But let's turn to, to Romans 1.18 and This seems all too familiar today when we look at that in context of America, but Paul describes it, Romans 1, 18, 19, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Why? Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Now this is not, this wrath that is revealed is not an impulsive Outburst of anger. In other words, God didn't get fed up all of a sudden. This is again appointed, pre-planned. He doesn't, uh, it's been settled in advance, in other words. It's his determined response to sin against ungodliness and unrighteousness. He doesn't enjoy it. We need to understand that. I hope you know from Scripture, God doesn't enjoy pouring out wrath. We are created in his image. He loved us enough to send his son to die for us. And scriptures teach that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So I'm not standing up here saying, good for them. They're going to get what they deserve. That principle is true, but I don't enjoy that. So revealed from heaven means to uncover, to make visible or make known. Suppressing the truth, uh, that's just defiance. Just think about how they're suppressing the truth, just for example, in the media today. Well, as far as the biblical truth, biblical worldview, what we believe as Christians, they're also suppressing that too, aren't they? They've been doing that for a whole lot longer, right? So the Bible taught, in in Ecclesiastes 3.11, God planted evidence of his existence in the very nature of man God placed eternity in our hearts you know there's a song there's a God-shaped hole there's a void that only he can fill so Romans 1 alludes to the fact that we have a conscience everybody has a conscience and just by creation the things that are created in our world what does it say men are without excuse men women mankind so There's evidence from conscience, creation, and we also have God's Word. No excuses if we have the truth, which we do. So wake up, be alert, understand the lateness of the hour, don't be deceived, redeem the time, strengthen what remains, warn others And as Jesus said, watch, watch. There are signs everywhere if we're willing to perceive, understand, and respond. And just one verse of encouragement, I want to let these guys minister a little bit. Proverbs 3, 25, 26 says, you know, the Bible says, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 7, we have not been given a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. So Proverbs 3, 25, 26, don't be afraid of sudden danger, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. Interesting. When trouble comes from the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Don't. Be afraid of sudden danger. We're out of here at some point, friends, but I pray in Jesus' name that we would have done the work in the ministry that he has called each one of us to do before Jesus returns. And each one of us has a sphere of influence. That's my word of encouragement to you today. Evaluate what that is, who you can reach, and people need to hear the truth. It's not up to us to be popular or well-liked. It's, up, it's not up to us whether they reject it or receive it. It's up to us to love them enough to share. Praise God. Thank you.